Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, this is Luffy Rickner of the Incredible Hulk. You are listening to the Can Air podcast and you better keep listening because you won't like me when I get angry. everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. And I know we've got another good episode for you guys today. What am I going to say? Hey, this one's bad, people. This one's bad. <laughs> this one sucks. Don't listen. <laughs> no, this another good one. Yeah, they're all good, I think. Yes. Maybe I'm being a uh, little arrogant. Would that be the word? Maybe I'm being a little bit uh, too confident no, in our I, stuff. But I think... you've been told so many times, you just tend to believe it. <laughs> We've After just so many pats on the ass and good, <laughs> yeah. good job. You know? We've just been very fortunate to get some awesome people on. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want it to seem like when I said that that I'm saying, like, oh, I'd say they're all good, but they're really not. No, I, they are They are just in their own Reich, in their own way, I mm-hmm. think. And this one, man, this was a good one. Like we were saying to uh, our guest at the end of our conversation, it felt good to record this episode, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. We haven't talked comics in a while. Oh, it's been a long time. Not only did we talk comics, we talked classic literature. I mean, it was yeah. it was good. And our guest today is, uh, my God, where to even begin? He has so many credits under his belt. In 2011, he was a, a judge for the uh, Eisner Awards. That's like the biggest <laughs> awards there are in comics. Mm-hmm. He got to judge them. He is credited with popularizing the graphic novel genre in mainstream comic and bookstores. Wrap your head around that, people. <laughs> That's insane. It, He's sitting a, there thinking about that while he was talking about it. Yeah. yeah. It was a pioneer. It was Nothing huge. short of a pioneer. Yeah. Yeah, in the comic industry. But he's also, uh, amongst other many things, which we'll get into in the actual conversation, he's the author of uh, books like Captain America, Avenger, Hero, Icon, The Amazing Spider-Man, Web Slinger, Hero, Icon, and his most recent release, The Incredible Hulk, World Breaker, Hero, Icon. And these books are books that, like, uh, they kind of go through and show you all the key issues and moments in that character's uh, story arc that make him that character. It's kind of like the cliff notes, not to downplay it or anything, uh, but more of a kind of. It's, like, it's like if you're wanting to get into the character, this is the best book to read before you start picking, you know, individual comics yeah, off the wall, because yeah. it's going to give you the best understanding of uh, of what you're about to pick up. The lights are flickering in here. <laughs> I hope we the may power doesn't go all out. Of a sudden. You might be able to hear in this recording, it is storming like a <laughs> son of a bitch outside, <laughs> so I hope it doesn't pick up, but it it does that's why if you hear a pop and squeal randy probably got hit by lightning yes but getting back to the point at hand our guest today is author rich johnson and damn it was so much fun to talk to him wasn't it 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 was just talking to somebody that has like that wealth of knowledge yes yeah it just it went from being one of those conversations where it's like interviewee and guest to being just a bunch of nerds yeah Yeah, yeah, just talking about what they love enjoyed the hell out of it. It wasn't the Simpsons comic book guy and then a couple of <laughs> no people that don't know anything. And Randy. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great conversation. Very excited for you guys to hear it and uh, check out the book he, that he's here to promote. Again, the Incredible Hulk World Breaker Hero Icon, which we'll have links for. But before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter or is it X now? What, what, what would I hear? Did, I don't even know. Is it just it the logo to Twitter changed, or is it still called Twitter, right? I don't know. Sure. I just know that the logo with the bird was going away. That's... You can find us on the Elon Musk platform <laughs> <laughs> at Candare Pod, on Instagram at Can underscore Air, and on TikTok at Candare Podcast. And a couple ways you can support the show on CandarePodcast.com. There's a link to a Patreon tab. 
which uh, for five to ten dollars a month, at least for at the moment, gets you access to a year's worth of uh, content we've been recording monthly. And then there's also our merch tab where you can get T-shirts, hats, uh, hoodies, mugs, stickers, etc., etc., with the Candare uh, logo on it and artwork uh, that was made by Joshua Bellis, IP-inspired artwork, Candare IP artwork that he made. So it was like a Candare-themed Simpsons shirt, Star Wars shirt. Uh, what else am I forgetting? Star Wars, the 80s retro, mm-hmm. the plastic shopping bag. Yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. So many different things on there to check out. Randy, what else we got? Uh, so big shout out to evergreenpodcast.com, the uh, network we are so proud to be a part of. And if you can't support us on Patreon, however you're listening to us, just give us a little like um, review. It helps so, so much. That it does. That and, truly does. And we are quickly, gentlemen, coming up to episode 500 it is our 10 year anniversary well these guys the show's 10 year anniversary and uh yeah if you have a favorite standout moment from episode you know the early teens to now you know let us know and we would love to uh, read it on our 500th episode we already got a few submissions and uh, yeah we're looking forward to it it's going to be jam-packed yes, <clears> and they're good picks that we're getting i thought <laughs> I was a little nervous when we put that call out there. Well, I hope that works <laughs> out well. So far, working out really well. It's going to be a good episode. Not not excited to work on it, but I'm excited to hear the finished product. <laughs> I'll say that. But uh, with everything being said, let's just jump right over to our conversation with Rich Johnson. Rich, thank you so much for taking time to be on the show tonight. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Honor to be on it, guys. And I'm really excited to talk with you about uh, your newest book, The Incredible Hulk, World Breaker, Hero, Icon. We got a chance to check this out, and uh, it's just a gorgeous book. Can't wait to read the whole thing. But before we talk about it, I wanted to uh, not only touch on some of your uh, previous credits, but also talk about, uh, you know, where you come from. It looks like, you know, based on all your credits, that you are a longtime comic reader. And I'm curious how young you were when you started reading comics, and uh, what were you reading? I was a little kid. Uh, th- there's actually a photo of me. I-, I think I was taught how to read and to be potty trained as a kid with comics. There's a what used to be a really embarrassing photo of me on the toilet reading a Donald Duck comic. So I go way back as a comic book reader. So, you know, I read a lot as a kid. You know, my mom was a single mom and she gave me an allowance. I used to buy stacks of comics at the mm-hmm. as a local grocery store. Honestly, I kind of got out of reading comics in college and high school, as a lot of kids do. And sure, I no. got back into it because I am older. I got back into it with uh, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. Oh, good pick. Well, I remember seeing that and going, what is this? You know, it was yeah. in the prestige format that DC did for years. And actually, Dark Knight was one of the first ones they did it with. I'm like, you know, this looks different. This reads different. It's just different. So I got I got hooked back in. And for a long time, I wasn't in a career in comics. I was in uh, book selling and publishing. Even working for publishers like Scholastic. Okay, that's what I was going to ask too. Is uh, you know how how you eventually start working in comics? But you know, going back just to what you were saying, isn't sure. that just kind of the way with comic uh, readers in general? I don't. I think you're hard pressed to find somebody who's happy all the way through with what they're reading, or they just <laughs> you know, need a break yeah, to yeah. step away for a few years. That I mean, what you described, you know, quitting during high school, getting back into it afterwards. Uh, you know, I've been I've had those uh, ups and downs myself with comics. Sure. And, you know, in, in high school and especially college, you know, your money goes towards other things. You yeah. know, your, your, your tuition, your books, um, uh, the occasional beer on the weekend, you know, it's it, it, money goes towards other things. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I got back into it. And I was, you know, a young married guy was on a budget. So I read sort of limited stuff. Even though as a kid, you know, I read a ton of different characters. I read Batman, Spider-Man. Fantastic Four. I love Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Mm. You know, so I, I read it just a bunch of different stuff as a kid. So it sounds like from you know of the big two, you were leaning more toward Marvel. Honestly, I was always you know more of a DC guy. Really, um, and that's yeah, and that's where I, I. It was pretty even, but I always kind of went more towards DC. Um, and it's ironic that I ended up working there for ten years um, and and wasn't really looking to make a career in comics. Um, my favorite hero, it's probably a tie, but I think Bat between Batman and Superman, but I think Batman wins out a little bit. Just oh, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a more interesting story. Yeah. Just the average normal man <clears throat> using the resources around <clears throat> him and every bit well, of his I was time always, to go ahead. I always kind of heard that there is a research study done years ago 
with that DC knew about where when you're really little, kids gravitate towards Superman first because they don't know if, you know, if they put a tie a towel or a blanket around their neck and they jump off the, the garage that they're not going to fly. But, you know, once they break their arm or their leg, then they realize, well, if I only had enough money and training <laughs> and I was smart enough, I could be Batman. Oh, yeah. I you remember know? at a young enough age thinking, if I start now, I could be the world's first real life Batman, you know, like, <laughs> sure. I, like yeah. I'm not kidding you. At a very young age in the backyard, like practicing with toy weapons and like thinking, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, but absolutely. It's amazing to me. And maybe someone has and we just haven't seen it or there's an, uh, an example that escapes me. But it's amazing to me that there hasn't been anybody in the world who's attempted it or have has there been. I think there has been. I think it was in Chicago. There was some guy that. What to be Batman? Yeah, yeah. Or something I kind of remember that too. Yeah, I think he was out doing some sort of minor vigilanteism, you know, yeah, but it was something then, on a major scale. Wait, yeah. are you talking about Phoenix Jones? Maybe I don't. Remember. I don't know the name of the guy. Yeah, I have no idea. Oh, he was like in you. Chicago yeah. too. Yeah, was he? I think. Yeah, that's probably who yeah. it was. Yeah, <laughs> I know over in Washington State they got a handful of superheroes that. Patrol. Well, I mean, peop, you know, these self-proclaimed superheroes who have these, ex, you know, elaborate eccentric outfits on. But, you know, somebody who, like, was really trying to, you know, pull off what the Batman pulled mm, off, yeah. you know. Yeah. That'd be something. But if it's happened, it's gone under my radar. <laughs> <laughs> but that would be the point, you know. He never yeah. wanted to be seen, right? Right. But so. but don't get me wrong. I was, I was always a big Marvel fan, too. You know, yeah. um, you know, Spider-Man, you're like, yeah, if I only could be bitten by a, by a radioactive spider, that could happen. You know, I could be a be a real superhero. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Just have to get away from the fear of spiders first. That's the first hurdle. Right. And then <laughs> yeah, hopefully right. you live through the spider bite if you end up getting bit. <laughs> Why am I shooting webs out of my ass? My spiders are too scary. Hmm. Maybe I can be butterfly man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you touched on something that was going to be my next question. Working at DC, and uh, one of the, what I read was that uh, you were the vice president of uh, book trade sales, and that Correct. you are credited with popular uh, popularizing the graphic novel genre in mainstream comic books and or comic and bookstores. Can you talk a yeah, little bit about that? Sure. Well, I was, um, like I said, I was in sort of in traditional publishing. I had worked for Scholastic back when Goosebumps was launching. Oh, I was wow. About yeah, so I have a actually. If you want a real quick side story about Arl Stein, I can give that to you. Yes, yes, we do. Um, <laughs> real, real quick. So we were, it was Goosebumps number one, and it became, became this enormous phenomenon. Like every brand new Goosebumps was selling on an average of a million copies a month, plus all the older ones. It was insane. Everybody wanted Goosebumps. I was and buying them. We, mm -hmm. we got a chance to meet with Arl Stein at one of our sales conferences, and he had been an editor of a humor magazine called Bananas. And they were discontinuing the magazine, so poor Bob Stein got let go. And when I first got to Scholastic, I found these joke books, you know, 101 Hamburger Jokes, Bob Stein. So he was a humor guy. And he got let go. And then a, a month or two later, a legendary editor named Gene Firewall called him and said, do you want to write a teen horror book? And he's like, sure. And then they just brought it down an age, and it became goosebumps. He said getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. That's awesome. What yeah. a success, too. Do they still make yeah. Goosebumps? They do. It, you know, it, it, it kind of dropped off in the in the 90s, and it took a generation or so to come back. But, yeah, they're making – there was a movie a couple of years ago, too, I think. So, That's so I was right. At, yeah. I was at Scholastic for, for a handful of years, and then I went – I was in the field selling to independent bookstores and some, you know, wholesalers. And then um, I wanted to do more national accounts. And I never wanted to be in sales, but I got kind of pulled into it. So I got hired at a – company called Running Press, which is like a gift book publisher out of Philadelphia. So my wife and newborn son moved down to outside of Philadelphia, commuted there for about a year. And while we were there, my wife's mom's cancer returned. And I was oh sticking a little God. turn for the sad here. But we just wanted to get back to the metro New York area. So I'm just looking for a job. And in the New York Times, my wife finds a, a job, national accounts manager, DC Comics. So I go in an interview and I find out that in, in most sales jobs for, for for the book market, you know, for for Barnes and Noble, if you sell to them, you sell to one account because they're a pretty big account. And in 1997, nobody cared about graphic novels. Right. Nobody cared. As a matter of fact, one of the first major buyers I sat with said to me, "Graphic novels are dead." 
Like, wow. oh, okay, I made a good career move. That was smart of me. Okay. <laughs> but I knew, but but I knew I'd been a bookstore manager and I knew they weren't being sold there except for the occasional like mouse or Dark Knight Returns sold, but not a lot. So I, I found out that my job was to sell to anything that wasn't a comic shop. And back in 97, there were more bookstore chains. There was Walden Books, there was Borders, there was um, Laureates out of the out of uh, New England, there was Crown out of DC. I sold to every wholesaler. I was responsible for independent book sales. I set up the first book distribution system, um, working with a distributor in Canada. I helped manage international sales. And it, I took, and I had, was responsible for library sales too. The first American Library Association trade show I went to, I got a small table and people would come and they'd look at the books, look at the sign, look at me and go, what are you doing here? This is a library show. Because they didn't buy graphic novels. They didn't buy right. comics. So it, what I would do, because I had a lot of people who had you know, the buying jobs at different bookstores and chains and stuff, I, I played a game to myself called Find the Geek. I knew if the buyer didn't understand comics, there was somebody in that building who was a fan. I didn't care if they were in maintenance wow. or another buyer or an IT. I would try to find them and show them the books and show the buyer, like, see this guy, see this woman? She wants to buy this stuff. That's why right. you need to carry it. So actually, 20 years ago this fall, it kind of accumulated with, while I was at DC, we had the very first New York Times bestseller by an American comic book company. Mouse had been a bestseller before. You know, also Mouse was nonfiction. So we did the first fiction graphic novel bestseller with Neil Gaiman, Sandman, Endless Nights. Wow. So I had the really good fortune to work with a lot of people like, you know, Frank Miller and Neil Gaiman. Neil to me is sure. the, the gold standard of, of talent. So um, then I also co-founded Yen Press, the manga publisher back in 2006. Yeah. So as a, a manga fan myself, what, um, what kind of led up to that? Was that just, did you always have a passion for manga or did it just kind well, of? A good friend of mine at the time, um, at a, the buyer for Borders and Walden Books, who was, he was the guy who really recognized manga um, as, as something viable. Um, and where comic shops were first adopters, bookstores became where manga first adopters went to because that's where they could find them. Sure. You know? Um, and that's when Tokyo Pop was starting and Viz was starting and mm -hmm. a, a lot of other publishers. And again, you know, sort of like Goosebumps, manga had a huge growth. And then actually the reason why I left Yen, why I got laid off at Yen, my own imprint, is manga crashed big time in around 2008, 2009. Borders and Walden Books was closing. Um, the, the recession was starting and manga went from something like a $72 million business to like a $33 million business in a couple of years. Wow. Um, putting a lot of publishers out of business like Tokyo Pop went out of business for many years. So it just, it just, manga kind of crashed, but I knew it would come back. Um, and it has come back over the past couple of years. It's come back with a force. It's everywhere. Oh, yeah. Do you see a lot of, do you see more similarities or differences between us comics and Japanese manga? Well, I, actually, I said this to somebody recently. The biggest difference with what happened in Japan and even in France is that here oh, – I said it on a panel recently at Comic-Con last week. That's where I said this. There was a, a, a book in the 1950s published called The Seduction of the Innocent. Have you guys heard of it? I have not. Yeah, I have, yeah. Isn't that the um, – there was a lot of laws and stuff that passed because of that, right? Well, what happened, it was it, it was a book by a psychiatrist named Wortham, Dr. Wortham. And in the book, it said, if your kids read comics, they're going to be juvenile delinquents. And by the way, there are a lot of hidden sexual images in comics. Like, really? Wow. And <laughs> and they also, you know, because there was, a you know, an older guy with a younger ward, Batman and Superman, mm -hmm. that there had to be an inappropriate relationship going on there. Oh, of course. Yeah. So there were congressional hearings for comic books. Wasn't that the Literally. the impetus of the Comics Code Authority, or am I exactly okay? You know, you're exactly right. Um, the famous Bill Gaines, who created Mad Magazine, was doing EC Comics. You know, the EC Comics were horror. There's a famous quote by him on the hearings where they showed the cover of a of a horror comic with a severed woman's head, and the congressman said, "Do you think this is an appropriate cover for a comic book?" And his response was, for a horror comic book, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So the yeah, the, the the comic code was created and basically the industry was censored. You had to send your comics into this organization in order to get that little symbol to put on your comics so it could be sold on the newsstands. Right. And in my my opinion, it really stymied, held back the growth of the medium for decades. Unlike in France and in Japan, where they didn't have that. I mean, they had other things like they couldn't, you know, the I'm sure you know about the creation of tentacle porn oh, in manga. God. I've heard yeah. of it, but I don't get yeah, it. <laughs> they, could, they, they couldn't show actual sex. So this artist decided I'll use tentacles. It's, it's very odd, but they got around it in more creative ways than I think we did. We just sort of, you know, buckled under it to to save jobs and to save companies from going out of the business. Right. So in those countries, it's not unusual for anybody to read a comic. You know, it's commonplace. Here it wasn't. Here it was actually kind of looked down upon. I, I used to, until recently, I just quit. I was an adjunct professor at Pace University in their graduate publishing program. Um, and one of the classes I taught was sort of a, a basics of publishing overall, you know, looking at all the departments and stuff. And um, I was once at an adjunct dinner there, and we were all going around introducing ourselves. And, you know, I gave them my background in comics and graphic novels. And this one other adjunct went, oh, I can't stand those things. Mm. Like, oh, really? That's pretty <laughs> rude of you to say that to me, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's on now. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, what I did was I I, I think me and others, you know, I, I kind of led the way. But there was a guy named Michael Martins at Dark Horse who was helping out all the buyers like Kurt Hassler and Jim K at Borders and uh, Jim Killen at Barnes and Noble. You know, I found people in the library market. I found these librarians who love comics and love manga. I mean, they became sort of the evangelists um, to help spread the word about it. So it, 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 it worked because um, eventually they started creating a section because before that there were maybe a couple of graphic novels stuck in at the end of science fiction, you know, like right. Watchmen and Dark Knight and maybe a Star Wars or Star Trek book, but not much. So it grew. It grew and grew. And now you're not going to get rid of it at all because Thank it's, God. you've got generations now. You know, the early manga adopters are now in their 30s and 40s and they've got kids who read comics. I mean, look what's happening in kids comics. Right. You know, with Dogman is an enormous seller. Raina Tagelmeier is is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, comics are for everybody again. That's incredible to think about because I, I was working at a Sam Goody in like 2003 or four. And I, yeah. you know, I was a comic reader then, but in, in the store, there was a whole book section. It was a quarter of the store, but only one little shelf, you know, had just a few books on it. I sold to Media Play because they had a bigger store, you might remember, called Media Play. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure do. So like a big cavernous CD, uh, DVD, toy, you know, and book store. Yeah, when uh, yeah, I die, that will be my heaven if I am lucky <laughs> enough to go to a heaven. Yeah, yeah. It's just incredible to think about that one little lone shelf and to think about going to, like you said, the library now or to our comic book store down the road that just has aisles and aisles of them. It's it's incredible. Yeah. And you're yeah, a pioneer, really man. You're a pioneer within the industry. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, so do we, yeah. <laughs> greatly. <laughs> um, one thing I want to touch on, too, is in uh, 2011, you were a judge for the comic industry's highest award, the Eisner Awards. Can you I tell us was. a little bit about that and uh, what it takes to be a judge for an Eisner Award? I, I knew Jackie Estrada, the woman who runs um, the Eisners, for a long time. She worked for um, an organization promoting women in comics called Friends of, of um, Lulu. Excuse me. And I met her back in the 1990s when I first started DC. We became friends and she knew what I did for comics. And at one point she said, would you like to be a judge? Because you know so much about it. I'm like, sure. So, you know, you, you, you get to read a lot of comics and you do get to spend a weekend in San Diego sitting in a room full of graphic novels and comics, sitting on chairs that aren't necessarily real comfortable and your ass kind of hurts at the end of the day. <laughs> and you, you, you meet with all these judges and you go over the categories and you argue and you say this one belongs in it. No, it doesn't. And you come up with the nominees and then it goes out into the world and people vote on it. I see. I see. Okay. So how many nominees then are you tasked with uh, uh, coming up with? If memory serves, it was like either five or seven in each category, something like that. You know, I think okay. we had a minimum or a maximum that we had to meet. 
And I, I honestly, it was, you know, 11 years ago, 12 years ago. So I don't exactly remember what that was. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had to do everything from, you know, best kids book, best humor book, best lettering, best graphic novel, best memoir, best, you know, adapted uh, book from another language. It's just a huge list of what we had to read. Now, I know that they also give uh, comic book stores Eisner Awards as well. Were you uh, in charge of picking the store, too? No, that that's a separate group of people. Okay. That's a totally separate group of people. Yeah. We just work, we focus on the books. I see. So do you have any idea, like, I know you don't have a, a number, but like a rough estimate on how many books you had to sit and read in total before oh, you could? Oh, God. <laughs> um, there, a lot. You know, just because any, public, any publisher can send in any amount that they want to. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> wow. You know, and, and, you know, the smarter ones pick what they think are the best and send them in. But it, it can be a lot of comics and a lot of reading. You do get a chance to read some beforehand. And now, you know, when it's more digital, things can fly, you know, to your mailbox easier with, with PDFs. Sure. So um, it, it, it's it, it's a task. But you get to discover some really cool stuff. You know, I remember oh, one I book called called Elmer that did get a nomination. It's, it was by, uh, I think, was he Brazilian? He was South American. Might have been a Brazilian artist who you, you start reading the book and someone's getting a job interview. And you think that there's some discrimination going on and the interviewee accuses the person hiring of discrimination and you find out that he's a chicken. (laughs) It's a world where chickens suddenly get intelligence and the power to speak. So it's really a cool book. You're like, this is really different. And it's called Elmer. I think it's still in print. Elmer. Check that out. Yeah. I feel like I may have seen that somewhere before. The title sounds very it familiar. It does. Yeah. 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 It's a, I highly recommend it. It's a great book. It's yeah. interesting as hell. I mean, I just the the ability, the power to, to sit there and determine whose comic career, you know, you're going to shine that light <laughs> in on. I don't know if I could handle it. I'd be like, do I deserve well, this you, power? You, well, you don't think about who what you're pursuing. You're just thinking what stories are good. Like that one, you're like, this is different. This is weird. This is, you know, thought-provoking. The art is really cool. Um, you know, this guy, and unfortunately, I think he died a few year, years later. You know, he deserves a shout-out. He needs, he needs. you know, this, this book, necessarily him, but the book needs more attention. And that's one way to get it, get it to them, you know? Right. We're going to take a commercial break, but don't go anywhere. More with Rich when we return. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I also saw kind of in your list of stuff, you were the author of a graphic num- uh, graphic memoir, excuse me, called My Father's Eyes, but I couldn't find really anything. It, it hasn't about been it. published yet. My, my agent is literally outselling it. Oh, okay. So oh. I listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about um, getting laid off at, at Yen Press, um, reconnecting with an estranged mother, and finding my father who I never knew by walking into a rural Pennsylvania library. That's yeah. awesome. So she's actually Holy. just talking about it with an editor about it at San Diego Comic Con. But wow. I did also, I've edited uh, COVID Chronicles at Graphic yeah. Mundi and have a little piece in there. Um, That's what I was going to ask you about. Like I saw, yeah. I, I had never heard of that before and saw that uh, you were a co-editor on there. And what, what was it? 60, 60 plus uh, short comics just about adjusting to a world ridden with COVID. And uh, yeah. it seemed like a great idea. Yeah. Well, the deal was I was a consultant because it was after I left Lion Forge. Okay. Um, it was Pennsylvania University Press. 
And I found out, someone told me, someone recommended me to consult for them. They were starting a brand new graphic novel imprint. Um, and then COVID hit. I mean, I think I, I went with them once and I literally remember it was at the very beginning. So we're sort of joking around about fist bumping or bumping with our elbows. And then it hit. And they were going to hold off the consulting firm. I'm like, well, first of all, you guys don't know what it takes to start an imprint. It's a lot. And here's an idea. When I was at DC Comics, we did a book about 9-11. And the proceeds went to various charities. And I was able to sell the Dark Horse companion book to it in the book market. And then when I was at Lion Forge, we did Puerto Rico Strong, okay. which was about the hurricane in Puerto Rico. And again, oh, wow. we gave money to charity. So I thought... The purpose of Graphic Mundi, it started with something called graphic medicine. And Graphic Mundi, they're trying to do do go beyond medicine and do more social issues, social problems. Um, and I thought, you know, a great way to launch the imprint would be an anthology about COVID. Yeah. And we did give money to charity. So we the the real conundrum with that was when do we stop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because this could have been literally, you know, a 10 volume set. Yeah, easily. So many and, different and, angles, prospects to cover. And I, a year or two ago, I, I the other editor and I, Kendra Bollier, we gave a presentation at um, the college in upstate New York. And in, the, in my little piece, I have baseball cards um, with stats from different world leaders. You know, how many deaths, how many. And, um, I gave an update at at the speech and, you know, it was so small back then and it had just ballooned the deaths and the, you know, everything that had happened. So it sure. was, a, it, it was, I'm very, very, and it was named Washington Post, one of the best graphic novels of the year. And I, I, I can see why, I mean, even without having actually looked at the book, it's like, it's like uh, stamping a moment in history, yeah. you know, from all those yeah. different perspectives. Yeah. And we actually found an artist who had posted online and we just reprinted it. Um, he got it early on and he got it real bad. And we opened the book with, with these amazing black and white line drawings of him having COVID. Um, another thing I'm really proud of when I was at Lion Forge, we sort of turned the company around from doing, you know, pop culture, eighties TV show comics. The first book I acquired there was called lighter than my shadow. It was a 520 page memoir about a, a girl who had anorexia. Um, oh, and when she goes to get help from her therapist, she gets sexually abused. And it was named Amazon's best graphic novel of the year. Wow. Yeah, Jesus. that was that was it's an incredibly moving book. But we're far away from the Hulk at the moment. I realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll swing it back around. I okay. promise. But all right. I, I want to look into that because I it, where is that available? I was having a little bit of trouble finding COVID Chronicles. Uh, it should be still available through any bookseller, through okay. bnn.com or or um, you know Amazon. It, it should be there. Okay, I will check yeah. that out then. It's still in print. I know it's still in print. All right, let's talk about the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> World Breaker, sure. Hero, Icon, which is the third in your series, uh, coming after Captain America, Avenger, Hero, Icon, and the Amazing Spider-Man, Web Slinger, Hero, Icon, which man look to be incredible books. I can't wait to have the physical copy in hand. Uh, you know, we got to, like I said uh, earlier, look at the preview. Gorgeous freaking book. Uh, and it, it highlights issues and moments that uh, make these characters up, you know, which is a great, like you said, great starting point for new readers and, you know, also kind of like a celebration of a character for veteran readers, yeah. at least in my opinion. But can you tell us more about the book and the inspiration behind it? Sure. When I first got contacted by the other Jessica Fuller, who I've known for, for a very long time, you know, she was looking for writing. She goes, I'm like, God, I'd love to do Spidey. She goes, want to do all of them? I'm like, sure. Okay. Um, so the idea that I had was, you know, having, having been in sales, knowing the comic book industry, you walk, you're, you're you know, maybe you went to see a movie, you're a lapsed fan, you just want to be a fan, whatever. You you walk into a bookstore, a comic shop, a library, and you see this wall of Marvel and DC, and you're like, where do I begin? Right. I don't it, you know, it's 80 plus years of publishing. Um, so the the intent of the book was to, you know, do some research on what people thought were the best stories and focus on the story. What are the best stories about these characters? You know, I picked a bunch, we had to get it down to about 30 for each book, and we send it to the Marvel editors. They give their feedback. You know, well, maybe not this one, but maybe that one. And we come up with a list. And then the intent for me is the easiest way to explain it is with the Captain America book. You know, we want to 
with continuity, sometimes it's tough to understand what is completely happening in a story because so much has gone on before it, and it's tied to so many other other stories and other events that have happened. So what we did was uh, we rank the books by kind of what you need to know about the character in order to really get the story. So for Captain America, it's private, corporal, sergeant, and captain. So at the you know at the private level, they're really origin stories. You know, one of them is um, Captain America White by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And with the Hulk, it's, you know, again, one of my favorites, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale doing um, Hulk Gray, which was an origin okay. story. And then as you go up the food chain, the more you need to know. So like a, with the Hulk at the end, it's more World War Hulk and Planet Hulk. So that was the intent. It was sort of both as a guide and a celebration of both the stories and the art because you get to see the art, you know, blown up in this gorgeous art book. You know, that was going to be my next question, you know, how these stories are picked aside from just those key issues. But it's, yeah, like you were saying, it's not only you, there's several uh, fingers in on this pie here. Yeah, because, you know, um, some of them I've read, some I haven't. So, right. you know, what I need to do then is I need to go read the stories and, and try to condense them down, talk about them, and then add some, you know, as they say, nerdy, nerdy insider bits and pieces to it <laughs> on my part. You know, so, I, that's how they describe I mean, the Amazon linking is I'm a nerdy insider. <laughs> Does that flatter you? It, what, nerd's fine. You know, the nerds have <laughs> taken over the world. It's fine. I used to say that, you know, the geeks are the ones who created the iPod and the nerds are the ones who wait in line for it overnight. And that's fine. Hey, I like that. Yeah. It definitely works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what about the illustrations? Was it very much the same uh, situation as the stories where, you know, you all were picking them? Did you already have an idea? Like, I don't know how extensive your Hulk knowledge or Captain America knowledge or Spider-Man knowledge was going into these books. But, you know, was it? It varied. So what I would okay. do is I would I would go through all the comics and literally do screen caps off my iPad through Marvel Unlimited. There's a certain format you need to request art. So we I'd read, you know, the problem there was limiting myself like you're ordering too much art, dude. You know, <laughs> what I could what they ordered alone could fill a book for one comic, probably. And um, and then when it gets in the hands of the designer based on on the text, you know, they select the images they think are the most um, dramatic, um, insightful. Like um, for the Spider-Man book, the woman who, who designed that one, his name was Maria Cabardo. It kind of moved me. There's a, at the end of the piece, I don't know if you know the story, um, One More Day for Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's where um, it's post-Civil War. Um, Spider-Man has already revealed his identity and some people, this assassin is after him. And they're, he and Mary Jane and Aunt May are hiding out in a hotel, and um, Mary Aunt May takes the bullet that was meant for Spider-Man, and she's dying in the hospital. So, so you know, I don't want to reveal too much. Someone comes to to Spider-Man and says, "If you and Mary Jane, if I take away your memories of you loving each other, Aunt May will live." Right. Now and so I I wrote this little thing about the last line was, "What would you do if you had one more day?" And the piece of art that she picked was just them and silhouetted in the dark kissing for the last time. How did you uh, personally feel about that story? Because yeah, I had mixed me, feelings about it. Okay, you tell me your mixed feelings. I felt the story itself was good. I think it was, what was it? It was like a five to six, seven part miniseries, something like that. Um, yeah. And it had me strung along. I did not like the ending, uh, really. I mean, I'm fine with him making the decision he made, but just how it kind of, uh, you know, everything stopped and jumped back to him in high school again, like history starting yeah. over. I was so wrapped up in the progression up to this point, it just seemed to all at once go away. I have to stop and then go back. Yeah, um, but there were beautiful parts about it, too. Um, there's a part in there where Spider-Man confronts Iron Man and just lets loose on him, and you would think that Iron Man would wipe him up, but uh, oh, it was mm -hmm. a cool scene. Again, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but <laughs> yeah. um, how about you? What do you think? Well, for, you know, it's interesting. For me, Spider-Man is a romance comic. I can see that, yeah. yeah. It, it really kind of is. I mean, it's, for him, it's all about the people he loves and the relationships surrounding him. You know, he will do anything to protect Aunt May. Um, to protect Mary Jane, you know, his one failure with not being able to protect Gren. It's a, it's a romance comic. So, uh, and, in, and in many ways, it's a, it's a tragic romance story. 
Um, because, you know, even in the movie with, you know, with great power comes a great responsibility. And sometimes you can't put the loved ones you have in danger. So yeah. you have to sacrifice, you know, what you need and what you want for what the world needs and wants. I don't know. I just, the decision he made, I was like, okay, he make the decision to, you know, give up the love that he has with Mary Jane to save Aunt May's life. But in my head, I kept thinking, okay, and then a week later, she has a stroke, you know, because this wasn't like the yeah. Ultimates Mary Jane, yeah. or excuse me, Ultimates Aunt May, where she was younger. She was still, you know, a right. very old woman. Mm -hmm. So, like, what if, like, the next week she just naturally, you know, died? Like, <laughs> did what? that for nothing, Peter. Well, but, then, you know, maybe it, that's why I wouldn't make a good Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of, of Spider-Man No Way Home, the movie? Again, he had to sacrifice everyone yeah. knowing him to save the world. I like that, though. I like that. Again, I... I I just dislike how the story continued after he made that decision. Like if, sure. if the decision, yeah, if the story would have continued, but again, like just his mind was wiped of her kind of like yeah. in no way home where just all those little aspects disappeared, but life otherwise just <clears throat> keeps going normally. Not like jumping back to when I was in high school and starting over sure. again yeah. without that person. Well, isn't that comic? So it always kind of reboots. Yeah. Mm. I understand it's necessary. But um, yeah. that don't mean I have to like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not the only one that didn't like that story, too, though. That's one of but the, that's just the most But that's just the story ones. was good. It's just the ending kind of was like a kick in the balls after, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. a good time. And but Captain anyway. America, you know, early on, it, there were war stories. And they turned to sort of espionage stories. Yeah. In my mind. You know, that's what Captain America is to me with S.H.I.E.L.D. And and Hulk, it's it's a horror comic. Oh, you know? yeah, you're right. And then that's the like interesting thing, thing yeah, and yes, and I think the hard part about writing the Hulk is that he is the monster. And yeah. in most monster stories like Frankenstein, he's not the main character. He's in, You don't see a lot of Frankenstein and Frankenstein, do you? No. no. no but you don't. with the Hulk, because of the way they structured it to be a little more like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, you've got that dichotomy of the monster and the man. So sometimes the monster is a focus, and how do you balance that with the man? You know, sure. there was one story. I, I'm blanking on the title of it. I'm sorry. It's where he, where Bruce Banner sort of ends up on an island. It's in the book, um, and he becomes sort of like the island of Doctor Moreau, where he's doing all these experiments to create other Hulk kind of creatures. Right? Oh, really? Yeah, I can't think of the name of it. I'm just, and I don't have the book in front of me because I'm actually in Sausalito, not New Jersey. So, is this like the Professor Hulk era, or no? It's from the 2000s, and I, I will I will email you guys or something, but I'm I'm just blanking. Okay. So what I liked about that is because he became the monster. Banner became the monster. Yeah. So he was the one who kind of became unhinged and was creating all these creatures that, you know, like it was a, 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 a monkey hulk, all green and big and, and threatening. And it was an interesting story because it kind of reversed it. So... Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit tougher to to, to write the Hulk because it is a horror comic, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. The two but then again, the Hulk is a lot of people's favorites. Mm -hmm. I get it, man. I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's an interesting story. The clashing, the two you know bodies, two minds sharing the same body, who you know are constantly fighting to have control. Well, and as I've said in other you know other places, don't we all kind of have a rage monster living inside of us? Oh, I know I do. <laughs> That's my pull for Hulk is that rage monster because yeah. I could totally relate with a lot of that sometimes. You know, and I like to drive in Manhattan and believe me. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's a rage monster who wants to come out and just like if I only had the power to like take that car and flip it over, I would. <laughs> Be so awesome. That was just what, yeah, that's uh, what makes the Hulk awesome is, you know, not only that, but then this when he's Bruce Banner, just any little thing could happen around mm -hmm. him to set off, mm -hmm. you know, this, you know, catacomb. Yeah. Event. But um, that's what I guess I disliked about uh, Endgame, because I guess that's really my only uh, knowledge of Professor Hulk was like they took away the best parts of the character. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They took away the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde aspect of it. Yeah. They, I mean, I mean well, they got that. rid of a character. They got rid of the Hulk, essentially, because, you know, it's just Banner's brain just, you know, in the Hulk body. Yeah. But they've, they've done that in the comics, too, several times. Oh, I'm sure they have. That's just that's yeah, yeah, only yeah. the first time I had seen it was in Endgame. Yeah. And it just didn't – I didn't like it. I didn't like that he wasn't there for Infinity War, but I understand because he was he was a little too powerful to be <laughs> on the yeah. field there at the end, wasn't he? But Yeah. 
Damn, well, we got on a tangent there. I kind of lost my <laughs> Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> uh, are you a bigger fan of, uh, this is just sheer curiosity, as far as the Hulk looks, uh, gray or green? You know, I, I like both. But I, I, You know, there's something about the gray one, you know? Yeah. And and honestly, one of my favorite Hulk stories, again, I'm a huge Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale fan. You know, and that really started with The Long Halloween. Um and I, I the Batman think Batman story. Yeah. Okay. Remember that Batman Long Halloween? Yeah, sure do. Um, it's a classic. It still sells like crazy. Yeah. And he did Hulk Gray, and it is an origin story about the Hulk. And it, it, in many ways, the early version of the Hulk, the Hulk Gray, reminds me of the John Steinbeck story of Mice and Men. Okay. Do you know that story? I know of it. Yeah. Real quick, and I used to—it's funny—I used to do this experiment in, in Pace University. I'd show different covers of of that book and ask, like, "Who's read this? If you've read it, shut up. You know, let's try to guess what the book is about based on the cover." It's really about two itinerant farm workers in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Um, one is is enormous. He's really big, really strong. Um, he's very gentle, but he doesn't know his own strength. Um, and yeah, tell me about the rabbits. Yeah. So what he likes is he likes to rub soft things. So he keeps he'll pick up a mouse, but unfortunately his strength he'll kill it. And so mm. he has a dead mouse in his pocket. And all he wants to do is is someday live somewhere where he can have rabbits because they're soft and he likes to touch them. It's Lenny and George. Mm-hmm. Um and in the story it's such a tragedy that um the the Farm owner's wife kind of makes fun of him and flirts with him, and he accidentally kills her. And so oh. he's on the run with his buddy. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna string him up and kill him. And in the end, what happens is um, the big guy is, you know, stroking his little, his the mouse at something soft, and he just like, tell me about the rabbits, George. And his friend kills him, so the other one doesn't get to, the mob doesn't get to him. It's yeah. a, it's a sad story, and 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 they kind of allude to that a little bit. In where he's petting a rabbit, in the Jeff Loeb Tim Sale thing, so oh, he's wow. very—it's very, yeah. I, I know that was intentional. I went, they're doing a mice and men here, because he was a big guy, not really smart, doesn't know his own strength, right? And in a mice and men, the smart part is his his friend. So there's the balance there. So there's a lot of, in the Hulk. There's a lot that's taken from other, you know, legendary classic pieces. You know, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde of Mice and Men. That are that are going into creating the Hulk. Damn, I kind of never thought about the mice and men aspect of the Hulk. Yeah, yeah. it also That's makes good. me think. You know, harking back to Frankenstein, the, that original one with Boris Karloff, where the little girl by the river. You know, he's just wanting yeah. to play and have fun with her, and then you know, kills her, you know, yeah. inadvertently, and then gets hunted. Wow. Although you know that scene is it's not ruined, but it's enhanced by young Frankenstein. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. You know, it's the same scene, and she goes. Oh, we're all out of flowers. What should we throw in next? And it gives us a blood. Hmm, I know. <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So uh, this is, again, the third of uh, five book series. Are you able to say what else we're going to see coming forward, the next volume? Yes. I announced it the other day. I'm actually uh, finishing it up right now. I'm a little late on my deadline, but that's okay. The Avengers is next. Oh, oh, nice. And, and I think you'll find some really good stories in that one. You know, of course, we always do the origin story. Always, always, always. Sure. Are you, are you focusing on just the Avengers? Or are you going to touch on like the West Coast Avengers and Young Avengers? And oh, yeah. Of- it goes into all, all the, you know, the different iterations, West Coast, Young Avengers, um, New Avengers. Nice. You know, the all new. There's so many different iterations of it. <laughs> right. Um, but also, you know, there's a, there's a classic Avengers versus X-Men story. Oh, Don't forget okay. that. I remember hearing about that. I have remember never that? read it though. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's in there. Um, it, it's a great and you know the imagery there. So many different artists, you know, and some just fantastic art in this. You know, there's also like um, one of the latest ones I'm writing on is Return of the Phoenix. It's a good book. You know, we do we do Infinity, we do uh, Siege. Um, it's, it's a quite a bit, and then there'll be a fifth book. Right, that one I can't tell say, you. All right, can't tell you that one yet. <laughs> I thought I'd try all the same, but I figured. I, I, but I've heard what it probably will be. I just haven't been given the um, the definite answer, and that's what it'll be. Okay, 
Maybe we could just yeah. throw our guesses down. You don't have to say rather yes or no, uh, yes or no. But uh, I'm pulling for the X Men. Oh, okay. That's okay. Okay. I think well, your what guess would you guys is probably better for? than mine. What was that? What would you guys vote? What would you vote for? What'd you want to see? I'm an X Men fan. So I, I think yeah. Now that Randy said that, I would have to also uh, go X Men. Yeah. Okay. I'd probably say Iron Man. That was going to be my pick, but. I think I think Randy might be right, but we'll just. Oh, yeah. There's only one I, I, way to. I can tell you they've both been in the running. Okay. Okay. Sweet. okay. All right. Perfect. And you know, one thing I uh, had to touch on, harking back to kind of what Randy was asking about the Avengers book. You know, not only touching on uh, just the Avengers, but West Coast Avengers, Young Avengers, etc. In the Hulk book, you also touch on She-Hulk. Important oh, detail absolutely. I forgot to mention. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've got to. Yeah, I mean, you know, when they, you know, kind of relaunched her in the in the seventies. I mean, what I loved about those comics was her breaking the fourth wall. Right. If right. you remember, I, I think it's the first issue where she's looking out from the pages of the of the cover, saying, "If you don't buy this, I will find your home and I will I will rip all up all your X Men comics." <laughs> <laughs> and she did that. All she broke the fourth wall all the time. Very Deadpool ish, you yeah. know. Yeah, he talks to the camera. You know, it's only become recent that I have learned that about her with the Disney Plus series. Because I, I was kind of like, "What's going on here?" And then I hear people yeah, say, yeah. "Well, that's that's the normal. That's how those books have always been." And when I thought back, I was like, "My only memories of her was like I remember there was a, a stint with the Fantastic Four. I think maybe in the '80s where." Yeah. Uh, the thing had to step away and she was filling in. And in mm -hmm. those books, it wasn't really like that. She was just kind of the muscle there on the team. But, um, yeah, I've come to appreciate kind of what, what's going on there, you know, that I had no idea about. The whole fourth wall, Deadpool-ish kind of a thing. Yeah. And don't forget Red Hulk. Oh, right. Oh, shoot. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget, you know, recently there was a photo of Harrison Ford who's now playing the general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just in, read my mind. In the new Captain America movie. And, you know, the Internet went crazy because it looked like his pants were all torn up. <sighs> I don't Do you know if think you saw they that. Will? Do you guys think they really will? I don't know why oh, not. Come I on, mean, wouldn't you pay good money to see Harrison Ford as the Red Hulk? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I paid good money to see him as Indiana Jones was last time and didn't know how I felt about that. <laughs> I better believe I, I mean, the Red Hulk. We had a similar conversation about them bringing the Illuminati in before right. they actually did. Yeah. I mean, to varying effect, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I hope I hope the Illuminati gets the screen time it deserves, though. I'm sorry. Go and ahead. Don't forget. Don't forget Amadeus Cho. Okay. I, I, oh man, I thought right, I thought I had that name in the front of my brain, but now I'm. Who is that again? He became the Hulk. He was a young Asian kid who becomes the Hulk. Okay. No, I through, didn't know that. Yeah, through some. He was a scientist, really smart kid, and and again, you know, gamma rays and stuff. And he become he became the Hulk for a while. And actually, he's a guy who is so smart. He actually designs pants that grow with him. <laughs> well, there's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're never tattered and torn. They always look neat, and he's kind of a flirt. And he, you know, he re, he also retains his intelligence while he is the Hulk. But yeah, look up Amadeus Cho. Hmm. I will. That's I will. one story I've never never knew of. I've heard that yeah. name, but I thought I thought I knew who it was. But the second I started to put my finger on, I was like, wait a minute, I've got no <laughs> fucking idea who that is. Yeah, he didn't start as the Hulk, but he eventually became the Hulk. Okay. Yeah, look him up. Look him up. What about uh, one thing I'm curious about? Is there a section in there about like that during the whole battle world thing where there was like uh, a whole family of Hulks? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Like kind of during the old man Logan era? Oh, where they're all no, we didn't. like Scar yeah. and stuff. No, no, we, no. Didn't, we didn't do that. I mean, we do do um, Wolverine versus the Hulk. And if you remember, that one was written by oh, I'm, his name. He he co-created Lost. Um, oh, and he uh, pro produced um, uh, uh, Lindelof. Um, he 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 produced a Watchmen TV show. I can't think I, of his I first name. I just want to say Joss Whedon, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> no, his, name, his last name is his last name is Lindelof. I can't think of his first name, uh, but he did a really interesting piece on Hulk versus Wolverine. There's this one funny part where, you know, Wolverine has to go find the Hulk, who's sort of sequestered in the Himalayas. And, um, of course, they fight. They battle. And the Hulk just sort of rips Logan in, in two and throws half of him way up the mountain. So Wolverine's got to crawl all the way up the mountain to get his legs back. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Yeah, and there's also a, a really interesting one with um, 
Hulk and the Thing, where they're you know they're very similar. Right. It's, right. Yeah, that's a good story too. I would like to read that one because I've always been curious. I mean, I know you never get a definitive answer who's going to win. You know, they always leave it up in the air. But I I think we got a good idea. No doubt it's going to be a good fight, though. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) There was a the story I'm talking about where, like, you know, uh, Hulk's really old and like living in a cave. And he's it's kind of like he's got his like sons going around collecting like protection money and stuff. Well, uh, hmm. I think you're talking old man Logan, right? Where he's like, yes. I think he's like inbred with She-Hulk on that one. Okay, right? Is that where like Maestro or Maestro comes from? I I don't know. That whole era, that whole era is (laughs) fuzzy in my head. But I do remember that fight where the Hulk just finally picks up Wolverine and just eats him, just swallows him, thinking that's a good idea. Yeah, I didn't do that one. I know I didn't do that one. Yeah, there is one. It was a Peter David a sequel to a story he did years ago. That's really kind of sad. It's um this shriveled up old man walking in an apocalyptic world. He's all alone. Um, he keeps getting attacked by these, you know, irradiated creatures. Um, and he turns into the Hulk, and but he can't die. Oh, he man. He just keeps going. Yeah, Last it's really, man on earth kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really sort of a haunting tale. And the art is really stunning in it, too. So many good stories to read. This yes. has been yeah. freaking awesome to sit well, here. Well, that's the purpose of the book. You know, you may not have read that story. Now you're like... Hell, I want to read that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mission accomplished. Yeah. yeah, that's purpose of the book. So is do you have any uh, release date on uh, uh, the Avengers book when it might be coming out? I don't know how it'll long be, it takes you to make these books. It'll be sometime next year. Well, what the, you know, the quick, quickly the process is, you know, I've got to re- read them, pick the art, read them all, um, write them, um, get edited, um, rewrite it. Then the designer has to sort of, take whatever art we got, including, um, you know, sometimes um, art that didn't appear in the book that were maybe marketing pieces and stuff. Like, okay. honestly, this one, really one I wanted for the Avengers, it was a marketing piece said that just showed a lot of the heroes that says, who do you trust? I'm like, I really want that in the book because my essay just keeps saying, you know, there's a paragraph and I say, who do you trust? And there's mm-hmm. another paragraph, who do you trust? So I want that that image so we we pull art from different assets they have for or pages that appeared like in a big omnibus or something sketches you know we try to add some fun stuff that weren't in the actual comics originally themselves so nice. you know it's the, it's pulling that together deciding which art goes in there um it, it, it it's a it's a probably at least a year process for every book to get you done you can see that work in there based on what i've seen from these previews they're gorgeous Can't, books they really they are, are. They truly are hardcover books. With, they're just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They're just gorgeous. Yeah. But uh, I will be putting uh, links up on our uh, on the post and on the website that we can direct people over there to check these books out for themselves. But aside from uh, that, where else should people find you? Are you on like Instagram or any kind of social media? Anything? I like don't that? do Instagram. You know, I, I um, and certainly I'm not. Whatever it's called, I guess it's not Twitter now. It's X. Whatever the whatever the hell is becoming. I don't <laughs> oh, the know. New Twitter. <laughs> yeah, there's a new that? Twitter. Well, apparently it's, they 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 got rid of the iconic blue bird and now yeah, it's just an I X. Saw that today. What? I need to update my phone. It would seem <laughs> I haven't seen that. Yeah, I you know, part of part of why I I was on Twitter and I decided to stop it because I didn't see any of this, but I know other people. There's so much negativity on 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 that, so yeah. I, I I don't tend to do that because I you know, if I have a different opinion about a comic book character and you've got a different opinion, it's okay. Yeah, we right. don't need to. We don't need to argue. It's right. fine. Have You're your opinion right. go your own <laughs> way. Yeah, it's okay. So, and people get weird about stuff. Like you know, so I feel like, like why didn't you pick this story? Well, we didn't pick it. Okay, sure. It still exists. You know, I'm not trashing it. It's still so. Just relax. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we comic nerds are ahead of the curve. Yeah. Then you're the most well, horrible I, I, person in the world because you didn't pick that one story for that person. Yeah. Yeah. Someone told me years ago there was a, a Star Trek convention, and I heard two guys got into a slap fight because they're arguing about warp drive and trans warp drive. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Come on, guys. Come I, on. I don't know. I might kind of like to see that one play out personally. But. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It would be a little entertaining. Uh, um, honestly, where I found for business purposes, I you know, I, I put stuff on LinkedIn, and I get like thousands of views. Do we? Yeah, LinkedIn. I, it's, it's strange. But that's where I get the most attention. I don't do Instagram. I just don't have time. 
I mean, I've got a oh, full time job. I'm that. writing. I'm writing these books. It's, I just don't have time to 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 do it all. You know, I know that's bad of me. That you know, as an author, I should do that. But you know, I, I do as I do what I can for it. I, I just don't have time to monitor Instagram. You know, yeah. I'd rather read a comic. Yeah. How's that? That's I know you what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. Like <laughs> making an Instagram post for me is like doing the laundry. It's like, oh man, I gotta do this, but I don't want to <laughs> do it. And I don't want to feel like I gotta do something. Yeah. Yeah. There's exactly. enough in my life I gotta do. <laughs> why take? Why give ourselves more? Yeah, I understand. Like this man. podcast, I gotta do this podcast. I'm kidding, guys. It's been fun. <laughs> oh, oh wow. man, it was a joke. It was what a, joke. a note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> you guys we are bonded, great. Rich. You guys are great. <laughs> That's how we were about this interview. Yeah, we got to do this interview. <laughs> take that. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I started an internet war already. <laughs> Can't wait to see what they're saying on Twitter about it. But Rich, this yeah. is my favorite one so far. Yeah, this, this has been so much fun. It's a rare occasion we get to sit here and uh, geek out about oh, comics yeah. with big smiles on our face. This has been refreshing as hell. Oh, good. And your books are incredible. I can't uh, advise our listeners enough to check them out. Again, we'll be putting the links up to direct people that way. But, Rich, thank you so much for your time this my evening. My pleasure, guys. And maybe bring me back for the Avengers. We can talk about that one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We'll bring you back for all of them, yeah. man. Just let us <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> all right, guys. You take care. You Have too. a wonderful evening, Rich. You too. Bye. All right. And that was our conversation with Rich Johnson. That was a hell of a lot of fun, gentlemen. I've got a long-ass comic book reading list i got to get. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. And I mean that too. I've, yeah. I've been uh, really feeling the pullback mm -hmm. to comics. Because, you know, when we started this show, what, the first, what, four or five years, I think we were... Really banging pretty hard Real on the hard, comics, yeah. you know. Not only the big two, but all the image and independent stuff that was being that sent to the show and pull list every week. It was oh, insane. So many comics, so <laughs> many. But we we took our time off, and for a comic nerd, I think it's time. I think Rich may have lit the fire back yeah. under my ass. I don't yeah, know about I think you maybe, boys. Maybe uh, five hundred. We need to uh, after five hundred. We need to start introducing some more comics back into the show. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. Maybe we should. Maybe we will. Well, what do you guys think? Let us know. <laughs> let us know on, Please. <laughs> let us know on Twitter and Instagram. Or, no, on X. <laughs> but I'll put links uh, on this episode to get you guys over to get your own copy of the Incredible Hulk World Breaker Hero Icon. And look at the other ones, too. The Captain America and the Amazing Spider-Man one. Because they look awesome. And he's definitely coming back for these future books. Oh, hell yeah. He's and got to. Yeah. It's some of the projects he was talking about coming up. Like, yeah, it's... Yeah, they're awesome. I'm so curious on that Avengers one. Yeah, there's so much in that one. That yeah, he's got to have is. Civil War in there. He's got to have Civil uh, War day, in there, yeah, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Which I don't one? There's been two of them. The the first one that yeah. we're doing. Yeah. One, yeah. <laughs> Not the <laughs> bastardized cash grab that which was the second Battle World Civil War. Uh. <laughs> I am I can't bash too hard. I never read the second Civil War, but there was not an inkling of anything that like was pulling my interest no. toward it. It just looked like a cash grab. Like how are you going to do that again? Been there, there, seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, big thanks to Rich for being on. Can't wait to have him on again in the future. And with that being said, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can listen, like, follow, subscribe, follow us on all our social media. Become a patron, buy some merch, see some of our YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once again, you can find us on the Elon Musk platform at cannedairpod <laughs> and on Instagram at canned underscore air and on TikTok at Podcast. And uh, once again, you, two ways you can support us, the Patreon page and the merch page, both at CandarePodcast.com uh, that Jack was just talking about. And like Randy said, if you don't have the financial means to, to support us, then uh, leaving a like and review or a sub hitting the subscription button on your podcast player of choice helps immensely. Yes, Even a does. comment. Yeah, yeah, leave a comment. Yeah, We know you're listening. We see the numbers. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. <laughs> we know you're out there in the dark, people. Talk to us. We want to hear from you. And, uh, Randy, what else we got? Uh, again, big shout-out to Evergreen Podcasts. And, uh, again, listeners, please, if you've just started listening or have been listening way before I even showed up, let us know what your favorite episode is, favorite standout moment, and, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it on 500. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. excited to hear. When I had self-esteem, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> that belongs to us now. <laughs> <laughs> 
You must fight for it back. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall but i don't wanna what are you chicken hold on there boys wow it's flint instead of writing your name write candarepodcast.com and help spread the word well that's a great idea now we know and knowing is half the battle gi this has been a canned air production It's raining a little bit outside, guys. What makes you think that? <laughs> yeah, I was. I'm wondering if that's going to pick up in the recording because the a couple rain. of those are pretty. The rain. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.